everyone. Thanks for joining in on the Project Pelvic Health podcast. My name is Dr. Erica Glani. I am a doctor of physical therapy practicing here at Village Fitness and Physical Therapy in Glendora, California. And today I wanted to talk about the 10 most commonly asked questions that I've gotten this past month as I've been treating patients in pelvic floor physical therapy. So we're going to get right to it. The first question that I've gotten is pretty basic, but super important. So what is the pelvic floor? Well, the pelvic floor is a group of muscles that sit at the bottom of your pelvis. There's three layers and they are really, really important. They span from the front of your pelvis. So at your pubic bone. They go all the way back to your tailbone or your coccyx, and they also expand out to the sides of your hip as well. And when I explain to patients their purpose, I like to break it down into the four S's. So the first S stands for supportive. These muscles are really important in supporting all of the organs that sit inside of your pelvic cavity. So those organs would be your bladder, your uterus, and your rectum. And I like to describe the pelvic floor uh, similar to a hammock. So like a hammock, your pelvic floor muscles have to be able to support the weight that these organs put down on these muscles, just like a hammock needs to support your weight if you were to sit in it. And so these muscles have to have this nice resting tone and integrity to be able to support all of the organs that sit inside your pelvic cavity. So that's their first big purpose. The second one is sphincteric, which is a pretty big word, but it pretty much means that these muscles are really important with keeping things in and also being able to relax to allow things to come out. So all three openings, if you are a born female, you have your urethra where urine comes out, you have your vaginal opening, and then you have your rectum where poop comes out. And there's muscles that wrap around each of these openings. These muscles have to be able to close and tighten to keep those things in, but they also have to be able to relax and allow things to come out when needed. And so that's their second big purpose is to be able to act as these sphincters to close when needed and then open when needed. The third S is for sexual. And so these pelvic floor muscles are really, really important with sexual function. So anything from orgasm to erection, all of those things are caused by your pelvic floor. So these pelvic floor muscles need to have strength in order to perform those specific functions. The last S stands for stability. So a lot of you have probably heard of your core and there's a big misconception around what exactly your core is. Well, your core is made up of four major components. The first one being your pelvic floor. Your second one would be all of your abdominal muscles. The third component is your diaphragm. And then the fourth would be all of the muscles that attach to your spine. And all of these muscles need to work together as your core to be able to provide the stability for your spine to allow your body to be able to move freely and do everything that it needs to do. And your pelvic floor is a really important component of that. And so if your pelvic floor isn't working or functioning quite as optimally as it should be, it's going to affect all of the other muscles as well. So there's these, this really nice synchrony happening between all four of these components that provide this maximum stability for your body. 
The second question that I get is, aren't you supposed to strengthen your pelvic floor to get ready for birth? And there's a lot of misconception around this question as well. I think a lot of women are told that when they're getting ready to have a baby, they need to just do all the Kegels they possibly can to make their pelvic floor strong and get ready to birth their baby that way. In reality, your pelvic floor needs to be able to lengthen and it needs to be able to relax to allow your baby to pass through easily during labor and delivery. If we're constantly strengthening and trying to tighten things as much as possible, it's going to make it really hard for your baby to be able to come through your vaginal canal where all of these muscles wrap around. And so when I work with women who are pregnant, I actually teach them to breathe, to learn how to lengthen and to learn how to relax all of these muscles within their pelvic floor to make it easier for them to labor and have their baby. The third question that I want to answer is with incontinence, don't you just fix it with doing Kegels? So incontinence is a really, really big idea and big mechanism. There's a lot of things that go into the whole physiological process of continence. And in reality, just doing Kegels and strengthening all of these muscles that sit at the bottom of your pelvis is not going to be enough to prevent urine from leaking out. It is a component, however, it's not the only thing that needs to happen. And so when women are struggling with urinary incontinence, it's really important that I do a full evaluation to be able to know what exactly they need to address that problem. Sometimes, yes, there is weakness within their pelvic floor, and so strengthening it is a component, but it's not just strengthening the pelvic floor. There's a lot of other things that also need to be evaluated and checked to make sure that there's not other things contributing to the overall problem of incontinence. However, there's also instances where your pelvic floor is really tight. And if your pelvic floor muscles are tight and they're not able to fully relax, that also can contribute to weakness. And so during an evaluation, it gives me a better idea of what exactly those muscles are doing. And based off of what I find, it helps me tailor the exercises or the treatment to address that specific problem and address the overall problem of incontinence. So sometimes, yes, Kegels can be part of that treatment, but not always. And it shouldn't be the only thing that you're doing to solve the problem of incontinence. Okay, so the fourth question that I want to answer is what is a prolapse? And this is a really important question because I think there are a lot of misconceptions surrounding what a prolapse is. A lot of women are told, oh, you have a pelvic organ prolapse without really being um, told what that means and without having it explained. And there's a lot of fear surrounding this topic of prolapse. So there's there's a lot of different types of prolapse. I want to talk about the three biggest ones that I see here in pelvic floor physical therapy. So the first type of pelvic organ prolapse is called a cystocele. And what this is, is when your bladder pushes on the front of your vaginal canal, which then causes bulging down into the vaginal canal. 
And a lot of the times women will complain of things like heaviness down in their vaginal area. They'll complain of back pain. They might even feel something down there like they're sitting on a ball. Um, and a lot of the times it'll get worse as the day goes on. So if they're on their feet a lot, if they're caring for their babies, if they're running around chasing toddlers everywhere, it's really common for that to get worse throughout the day as gravity does its part and everything is kind of being pulled down. So the first one is a cystocele, and that has to do with your bladder. The second is a rectocele, and that's just pretty much the opposite of a cystocele. So instead of your bladder, it's now your rectum pushing on the back of your vaginal canal, causing bulging down into the canal. Really similar symptoms as a cystocele, but it's just your rectum instead of your bladder. The third type of prolapse that I see is just when your uterus comes down into the vaginal canal. So this would be a uterine prolapse. So some of the other symptoms that women might feel if they are experiencing a prolapse is an inability to completely empty. So whether that be urine or whether that be poop, they won't feel like they can completely void or completely evacuate those things. And that's because there are these little pockets from the prolapse where urine can get kind of stuck or poop can get a little bit stuck and make it difficult to completely empty. And so those are also really common symptoms that women will experience if they have a prolapse. But the good news is, is that it's totally treatable with pelvic floor physical therapy. There are other ways and other um, tools that you can use to help with those symptoms. But for grades one and grades two of a prolapse, pelvic floor physical therapy is a really successful thing for a lot of women to try first. And so whenever a woman comes into pelvic floor physical therapy with this diagnosis of prolapse and they've been recommended surgery, I always like to do my own assessment and see what grade is it? How far out are these um, prolapses coming out of the vaginal canal? Because if it is just a grade one and grade two, there are really good outcomes with pelvic floor physical therapy. And surgery really shouldn't be the first thing that's considered unless it's more of an emergency type situation, which usually if you're coming into pelvic floor PT, it's not. And so doing pelvic floor PT first oftentimes will produce really good results and really help women get back to a better quality of life. Okay, the fifth question that I want to answer is, is pelvic floor physical therapy for people who haven't had a baby? What if I've had a C-section? So there's two parts to that question. First is pelvic floor PT for people who haven't had a baby. And the answer to that is yes. I've treated several people who have not had any children, but still experience pelvic floor dysfunction. And there's so many different types of diagnoses out there that can be treated with pelvic floor PT, but some of the most common ones that I see is pelvic pain, so pain with intercourse, or um, interstitial cystitis is a big, big diagnosis that pelvic floor PT can help with. Women who have really severe menstrual cramping, pelvic floor PT can help with that. Um, even just general things like constipation or incontinence that can happen even if you haven't had a baby, all of those things are still treated with pelvic floor PT. So just because you haven't had a baby doesn't mean that you don't need or could benefit from pelvic floor physical therapy. The second part of that question is what if I've had a C-section? And this is a really, really great question. I think a lot of women 
think that pelvic floor physical therapy isn't needed if they haven't birthed their baby vaginally. And that is a big myth that we're working really hard to to dispel and to educate women on. The fact of the matter is, if you've had a C-section, you've been pregnant. And being pregnant alone causes so many changes anatomically to your pelvic floor. So that in itself warrants a pelvic floor PT exam. But if you've had a C-section, that is a major abdominal surgery. And just like any other surgery that you may have in the hospital or outpatient, it's still a surgery and you're still referred to physical therapy regardless of what that surgery is. So why would a C-section be any different? It is a major abdominal surgery. You are pregnant. You have a scar on your abdomen. Um, there's scar tissue there, and all of that can also cause pelvic floor dysfunction. There's this pressure down on your bladder, down on your pelvic floor that can cause issues. So if you've had a C-section, please go see a pelvic floor PT. It is so important. And just because you haven't had a baby vaginally does not mean that pelvic floor PT can't be helpful for you. Okay, next question. If I have chronic UTIs, but the tests keep coming back negative, how can pelvic floor physical therapy help with that? So this is also a diagnosis that we treat in pelvic floor PT. A lot of the times women will have these chronic UTIs and when they go to get tested or have a urine culture, the the cultures and the results will come back negative. Even though they feel like they have a UTI, they have all of the symptoms, but all of their testing is coming back negative. A lot of the times we like to call this a phantom UTI. Um, And what it could be caused by is tightness or restriction within your pelvic floor. So similar to what I talked about earlier, if your pelvic floor isn't able to fully relax and lengthen to allow that urine to come out, urine can get left in the bladder and that can lead to a phantom UTI. Even if there isn't bacteria, even if your tests and cultures are coming back negative, there could still be pelvic floor dysfunction driving the overall issue, leading you to feel like you have UTIs over and over and over again. The big problem with that is a lot of the time, providers will just keep putting you on an antibiotic even though the results are coming back negative, and that is a pretty big problem in and of itself. And so if you keep feeling like you have a UTI, your tests are coming back negative, it's really important that you get a, a that you get an evaluation with a pelvic floor PT because odds are there's some type of dysfunction happening within your pelvic floor that could be contributing to that problem. The next question I get is, I feel constipated. How do I poop without putting myself at risk for straining my pelvic floor? So this is a really great question too. Constipation is something that we talk a lot about in pelvic floor physical therapy. When you're constipated, you're not able to relax your pelvic floor and you feel like you have to push and bear down and strain as much as you can to defecate and to clear that poop out. And that can lead to a lot of issues down the road. And so one of the things we go over in pelvic floor physical therapy is a lot about diet. So what specifically do you need in your diet? What's lacking in your diet that can help prevent that constipation? And then how can you position yourself, like physically position yourself on the toilet to allow your pelvic floor to relax all of the way and to relax to allow things to come out? 
but also how can you push in a way that's safe and that's not going to put more strain on your pelvic floors. And so we go into a lot of how to breathe well and use your breath to increase pressure in a safe way down to allow you to defecate without putting more stress and strain on your pelvic floor muscles. So there's a lot of things that we go over if someone is feeling constipated, but those are the big, big things that we we look at first. All right, this is a pretty big question that we have coming up here. I have pain with sex, but the advice that I get is to just drink a glass of wine and relax. How can I help myself in regards to my pelvic floor with this? So this is a question that I get really fired up about because I've had so many women come into the clinic and sit in my room in tears because they feel so hopeless and they feel like the advice that they've gotten about this issue is to just have a glass of wine and relax or it'll just get better the more that you do it. And while that may be the case for some people, for the vast majority of patients that I've treated, that really is not the case and does not work. There is a lot going on within your pelvic floor with intercourse. And a lot of the time, if there is really heightened tone, if your pelvic floor is really tight, it's going to make it difficult for anything to enter into your vaginal canal. Um, And so a lot of the time, women will even complain of having pain with vaginal exams when their doctor uses a speculum that can cause pain. And a lot of the time, it's caused by this really tense, tight pelvic floor that has a hard time relaxing to allow anything to enter. And so while that may be one big component that we look at, there's also a lot of things emotionally, spiritually, mentally that go into that. And those are all things that we touch upon in pelvic floor physical therapy. But it's so much more than just relaxing or just trying to bear through it and get through it. There's a lot going on in having the guidance of someone who is trained and what exactly happens within your pelvic floor during sexual intercourse is really helpful to give you really specific answers and things that you can try to make that better for yourself. But it's a really sensitive topic, and so I really, really enjoy working with people who have this kind of issue, who are struggling with this, because there's so much that they can do, and it's so much more than just relaxing and trying to get through it. All right, so the ninth question is, how does breathing help my pelvic floor? So like we mentioned at the very beginning of the episode, your pelvic floor plays a really important part in your core. And so it works really closely with your abdominals and your diaphragm and the muscles that attach to your spine. When you breathe, your diaphragm descends down into your abdominal cavity and your pelvic floor should naturally lengthen and drop. As you exhale, it returns back to its resting length. And so we like to compare the pelvic floor and the diaphragm to kind of like a piston. As your diaphragm descends, your pelvic floor should also descend and lengthen. As you exhale, your diaphragm and your pelvic floor both come back up to its normal resting state. And so if there isn't this nice coordination between your abdominals, your diaphragm, your pelvic floor, and these muscles that attach to the back, it can lead to dysfunction, overuse of certain muscles more than others. But breath and breathing is really important to make sure that you're able to lengthen and relax your pelvic floor all the way. The last question is the advice I've gotten from my doctors and midwives is to bear down and hold my breath to push the baby out. And you're telling me not to do that. 
And the answer to that is yes. You should not be bearing down and holding your breath to push your baby out. You are not having a bowel movement. When you bear down and you push as hard as you can and you hold your breath, you're tensing your pelvic floor muscles, you're tightening your pelvic floor muscles, and you're making it really difficult for them to relax to allow that baby to come out. And so instead of bearing down and holding your breath and pushing as hard as you can, we actually teach you to breathe. So we help teach you how to breathe the baby out instead of push the baby out. When you breathe, you're allowing your pelvic floor to lengthen, to expand, and to stretch, which should make it easier for your baby to exit your vaginal canal. I hope the answers to these questions was helpful for you, that you learned something today. If you have any more questions, please feel free to reach out. I would love to get in touch with you. If you have any type of question about pelvic floor, about anything specifically relating to what you're dealing with, I really would love to get in touch with you and have a conversation. So please feel free to reach out. And if not, I'll see you back here on the next episode of Project Pelvic Health.